Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. X-Ray. Well, welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show for the 21st century. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful, but here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle that financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Kerbake. First, I want to talk today about New Year's resolutions. Um, and the reason I want to talk about this is this is really the start, the time of year when people start thinking about their goals for the next year. Uh, the changing of the calendar to a new year ends up having a lot of people taking stock of their life. In addition to your goals about work and fitness and your mental health, I want you to think about your finances this year. Um, and I know for a lot of people, setting financial goals seems really hard. Like, how can you possibly know what's going to happen this year? I have variable income, so it's always hard for me to be like, oh, how do I set a financial goal when I don't even know how much I'm going to make? And, you know, it also can just feel really challenging. Like, you're never going to pay off those student loans with your customer service job, so why should you even try? Um, but make your goals achievable. It doesn't necessarily have to be based on these huge swaths of, uh, you know, I'm going to max out my 401k this year, or I'm going to pay off all my debt. I want you to think about your resolutions as actions that you can take regardless of your financial circumstances. So don't make them tied to the kind of money that you're going to bring in, but make them tied to actual changing of your habits. So the first thing I want you to do, if you're not already, is to set a goal of tracking your spending for just seven days. I'm not asking you to do this forever. I'm not even asking you to set a budget. Just spend one week tracking what leaves your bank account and your pocket. Don't judge yourself. Don't try to do this to limit your spending. I want you to get a realistic view of what you actually spend in a normal week. Just keep track of what you do spend. Now, once you're done tracking this for a week, maybe you'll gain a little confidence about how it's not the end of the world to take a few seconds every time you're checking out at the cash register to track your spending. Or maybe you realize that your spending is all over the place. Um, maybe you were trying to track on paper but kept forgetting the piece of paper. Maybe you tracked all your spending with cash but forgot to keep track of your credit cards because you felt, oh, I'll just check them later when I get online. So after you track your spending for seven days, I want you to give yourself a little permission and a little bit of grace to change how you're going to do it. Your first draft of tracking your spending might not have been perfect. It might have been really frustrating in certain ways. It's very likely that it wasn't, in fact. But what you should do is figure out what wasn't working. Maybe you should sw switch from tracking on paper to your phone or vice versa. Maybe you needed to download an app like YNAB, Mint, Level, or LearnVest, and you need to actually do it on your phone because you always have your phone, but you keep forgetting that piece of paper at home. Maybe you need to change the categories you track. I have people that like have tried to break out their taxes and their tip all for their $5 cup of coffee that they bought, maybe that's too complicated and you're never going to keep up with being able to keep track of that. Be willing to give yourself big categories if you get too stressed out by keeping track of the granularity. 
And then, you know, maybe maybe you were trying to track everything at the end of the day and sit down, but you were too tired. Maybe you need to start tracking at the exact moment you spend. Or maybe you get really self-conscious of taking that extra minute in line and having someone wait behind you. So maybe what you actually need to do is, you know, take some time at the end of the day to look back. I want you to figure out what works for you. Figure out what the pain points were for those first seven days of tracking your spending. And I really hope that you can give it another week. So try tracking your spending for 14 days. Fix what was wrong in the system for those first seven days and try it for seven more. And I hope that you'll start to see that tracking your spending ends up getting pretty routine. It's not as terrible as you might think it is. And even if it is really hard for you because your brain isn't built for it or, you know, you really have a lot of guilt and shame about the way you're spending, here's the thing. You need to do this. I need you to have a clear picture of what you spend because you simply cannot start to come up with other goals for yourself without tracking your spending. If you don't know how much is going out of your pocket, you can't start to budget. If you don't know how much you need in your emergency fund, if you don't know how much you spend every month, you won't be able to close the gaps in your mindless spending if you don't track it. Even if you know you're coming out ahead every month because your checking account balance is getting a little larger every month and that's been your budgeting method till now, okay, well, I'm spending less than I earn, so must be fine. I want you to actually try to track that spending because you're never going to actually be able to hit those rest of those goals unless you try this first step of tracking your spending. So you've tracked your spending for 14 days now. I want you to start thinking about your budget. So you've gotten two weeks. Two weeks is not perfect. Two weeks is not really going to tell you anything long term about it, but it's going to give you a starting place. It's going to let you say, okay, I'm going to double all these numbers, and maybe these are my monthly numbers. And I want you to look at what you spent in those two weeks, and then I want you to actually think about the things that weren't captured. So maybe you started on January 10th, and you paid your rent on the 5th. So I want you to, you know, make sure you throw in your rent and your utilities, things that are every once a month things that maybe weren't captured in those two weeks. And I want you to start setting up a budget. Just, just you know, it's going to be wrong. The first time you set up a budget, it's going to be completely wrong. You're going to miss things. You're going to completely forget that you pay your car insurance once every six months and that, like, you didn't budget out for it. And that is okay. The first three or four months of budgeting are always messy. And you have to give yourself a lot of grace with it. You have to understand that you can't accurately predict the future when you first start budgeting. So I just want you to start with tracking your spending. That's your first New Year's resolution. And if you're already ahead of that, if you already track your spending, you already budget, then you can start figuring out your next goals. And some very basic New Year's resolutions that I usually recommend are look at saving. If you don't have an emergency fund, tracking your spending can give you a good idea of what you need to have in your savings. Start with trying to get one month of expenses and savings. If you've already done that, work on three to six months. You can also figure out your debt. So a lot of people, I don't know if this is you, have literally no idea how much their debt is. They just know how much goes out of their pocket each month in minimum payments. I know a lot of folks with student loans that have a vague idea they owe something in the tens of thousands, and they know that their minimum payments are around $200 a month, and that's all they really know. Um, and so I want you to actually, like, after you've tracked your spending, I want you to think about your debt. Like, you don't have to make it your goal to pay off all your debt this year. That is a really ambitious goal for a lot of people. But you can make it your goal to know how much your debt is and actually know how much your minimum payments are. And if you want to start thinking about paying off your debt as a New Year's resolution, as really aggressively attacking it, what you can do is go just calculate how much a little bit of extra money towards your debt would actually save you over time. 
because uh, compound interest is a beautiful thing that's also a terrible thing when it comes to when it comes to student loans and credit cards. And so you can go online and just look up student loan calculator or debt payoff calculator and calculate what throwing an extra $25 a month would look like at that or what 50 or 100. And once you've started tracking that spending and budgeting and you get a real sense of how much is going out the door, it's going to help you figure out like, oh, Actually, if I just got two less burritos a month, I could pay off my student loans actually a whole five months earlier. And that's really important to me. Or maybe those burritos are more important to you. Um, and so you can actually kind of figure that out. Or maybe you can figure out, holy crap, I don't have enough money coming in. Like, it sucks, but I just really don't have enough money coming in. And you can maybe start to think about what it looks like to either ask for a raise at work getting a second job, maybe you start driving for Uber one day a week or delivering for Postmates on your bike, looking at like, oh, crap, there's actually an income problem here. Like, there's no way that I can cut my spending. You know, there's just, I'm penny to penny here. And start looking at, okay, well, I've got to solve this in a different way. So those are sort of my overviews of New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I've really seen the power of budgeting in so many students. Um, one of my students started to actually track her spending. You know, she she made a pretty decent income. She made like, you know, mid 40s. She had quite a lot of student debt. She had like around $30,000 of student debt, which is quite average, um, unfortunately, for uh, folks my age. And she started tracking her budget. She had never tracked her spending. She sort of was like, you know, I know how much I pay in student loans. And I just make sure that my bank account is never going to overdraft. And that's sort of my financial priorities. And she took uh, the Get Your Money Together boot camp class in an attempt to be like, maybe I want to prioritize my spending a little bit more than just making sure I don't overdraft. And she actually started tracking her spending and realized how many subscriptions she had coming out of her account that she didn't even use. When she added it together, she actually had close to $150 a month of random subscriptions coming out. You know, like things like Netflix that she actually did use, but she also had like apps that she had downloaded from the iTunes store like a year earlier that were taking a subscription fee that she had literally never used once the trial period was up. Uh, she had like a subscription to some like workout clothes website that got her discounts on workout clothes that she didn't buy. Um, and so she actually canceled all of those subscriptions. Just all she did was track her spending for two weeks and figured out how much that she was actually paying out in subscriptions she didn't need. And then she also got motivated to call up Comcast and negotiate that darn Internet down again because, um, you know, she was paying like eight, she realized that $80 a month that she was spending on internet that, you know, could have been dropped down uh, was 80, you know, there, there were 30 extra dollars she could apply to her student loans there. Um, and after she cut all those subscriptions, she just, she was like, well, I didn't notice it before. She put that extra $150 off to her student loans and she's incredibly close to paying off her student loans now. So that was a year ago and she started putting that extra 150 to it and then she started seeing where else she could actually track her spending. And after that, she's ended up being able to really accelerate her payoff timeline. So I, I think she's paid uh, around 15000 of her student loans off. So she's got about another year, and then she's going to have knocked out all of her student loans on a pretty middle-class salary, like mid-40s. So, um, you know, it's a lot more than a lot of people make, but she's she has almost as much student loans as she makes in a year, and she's going to be able to pay them off in two years. It's almost New Year's, and a lot of people are talking about resolutions, a lot of these resolutions probably have to do with money. Uh, what are some good financial resolutions people could start thinking about leading up to the New Year's? You know, the, the thing about New Year's resolutions 
is that you really need to think about what your what your goals are before you actually set those resolutions. And I'm a big fan of resolutions that involve daily steps as opposed to resolutions that are like a huge lofty goal and then no individual steps to get there. Um, I think that one of the most important things is tracking your spending. And then after you track your spending, look at starting a budget. If you're not tracking your spending and budgeting yet, those are really, you can't do any other New Year's resolutions or goals for next year until you're doing those first two steps. But after that, paying off debt is a really good one. Debt is stressful. It it often really weighs as a really large burden for you. So being able to prioritize paying off debt and actually having a plan instead of this vague idea of I have a lot of debt, really looking at what is the debt payoff plan. Maybe it's going to take you a couple years. You're not going to pay it off all this year, but actually sitting down and totaling it all up um, and then saving. So I am such a big fan of living off last month's income. And I think it's a really good goal to start to get yourself to figure out wh- how much you can save each month to the point where you have in your checking account a whole month's expenses. You've got that buffer there. Because one of the things that a lot of young people have that gives them a bunch of stress is like timing bills. <laughs> you know, like the, oh, well, I get paid on this day, so I need to make sure that it doesn't come out till this day. Like, just get over that. Be a month ahead so that you can stop having that stress of playing that payday dance game. And so I think those are really good kind of beginner resolutions. If you're like, oh, I've got all that covered, like I've been, you know, I'm, I'm real solid. Next thing is to start looking at your investments in your retirement. Um, and a really good starter goal is figure out what it's going to take for you to be able to max out your Roth IRA this year. Your Roth IRA has a limit of $5,500, unless you're 65 or older. Um, that's $458 a month that you put into your retirement account. Maybe you can't do that. Maybe you can't max it out. Figure out what you can. Figure out what you can actually afford to invest in yourself this year and put, because those compound interests, even if you've only got $10 in that, in that retirement account, if you've got your debt paid off and you're also giving your retirement, you're going to be worlds ahead of most folks your age. So I would love to hear about your New Year's resolutions. I'd love to hear from our listeners. What are your big goals for 2017? Or do you have any questions about setting goals um, or just generally any money questions? So uh, please give us a call with your money questions at 971-220-5971. That's 971-220-5979. You can even text us if you want. One of our listeners, Robin, emailed in and asked, I know you've done a lot of research on this type of thing, and I wondered if you had a recommendation for a rewards credit card. I've never had a credit card before and plan to do much more traveling in the next several years. Yeah, this is a question I get really often, Robin. Um, And here's the thing about it. There's no answer that's universal. Um, The first thing, though, is if you, you said you don't have a credit card before, but anybody that's listening, if you have credit card debt, don't get a rewards credit card. I don't want you to prioritize the slight perks that you get from rewards over paying off your debt. I want you to prioritize paying off your debt. And if you do have a lot of debt and it's going to take you a little bit of time to uh, pay off, look into a 0% balance transfer card. Because if you can avoid that compound interest for six months to a year, it can really help you accelerate your debt payoff. But if you're luckily not in the position that you have any credit card debt and you're starting to think, hey, maybe I want to, you know, get some, you, you know, maybe you're looking to do some traveling like Robin and you're you're thinking, oh, you know, I know that there's these credit cards that have great rewards. Um, I'm someone who travels really frequently off credit card rewards. I actually uh, just bought my plane ticket to um, 
Russia first class entirely off of uh, points, which I'm really excited about. Uh, my big project for next year is I'm taking the Trans-Siberian Railway across Russia uh, to China, and I'm doing it um, mainly on points. Um, so, you know, I'm a big proponent of rewards credit cards as long as you can use credit in a way that makes you feel comfortable. Um, here's the thing to know, though. It's complicated to figure out which is the best card. Um, there's a couple questions that you can ask yourself that can help you start to figure out what you need. So first question is, do you want free flights or free hotels? There's really two main kind of rewards in travel cards, which are free flights and free hotels. Um, there's one last one, which is just cash back. Um, I highly recommend cash back cards if you're someone who doesn't travel on a regular basis. And the reason are the reason for this is is that it can be kind of complicated to figure out the intricacies of redeeming rewards on these travel cards. And a lot of people end up um, just, you know, paying an annual fee for these cards and then not end up using them or it gets too complicated or there's blackout dates or something like that. And they just get too overwhelmed. Um, You have to be willing to play the game if you want to actually make these rewards cards for travel work. Um, You need to know what your credit score is. So if you don't know your credit score, you can log into creditkarma.com and you can get a free estimate of your credit score. Um, You are entitled to a free credit report, but that doesn't include your score. Um, So if you go to annualcreditreport.com, don't Google that. Actually go to it because there's lots of scam websites uh, that you'll find on Google. I want you to go to annualcreditreport.com. You are entitled to a credit report um, from each bureau once a year. And that's a good way to check to make sure you don't have fraud on your account or dispute something if something comes up that you didn't realize appears on your credit report. But you actually need to know your score. Um, For most rewards cards, you need to have a good score. If you don't have a good credit score um, because you're paying off student loan debt or you have medical debt or, you know, you have an old account, um, you usually can't build credit using rewards cards. They're for people with highest level of credit. So that means you've got a, a score in the at least the upper 600s, if not above 750. Um, so don't prioritize rewards cards if you want to build credit. Go get a card that's a little more approachable. Um, you also should know what countries you want to travel to or if you want domestic flights and what airlines you want. A lot of the airline cards that are for specific airlines, like for a long time I had an Alaska Airlines card. It's got a free com- or it's got a $99 um, round trip companion fare on it. If you fly Alaska all the time, it's great. However, if you live somewhere that doesn't have Alaska Airlines in the airport, it's not going to be good for you, right? So you need to have a good idea of what you want. Um, so once you've kind of figured those out, and tracking your spending is a really important part of it because you need to know how much you spend on different types of items. Some cards will give you extra rewards for gas. Some will give you extra rewards for groceries. Some will give you extra rewards for office supplies and printing. And then the last category is travel. I travel a ton for work, so the travel cards are great because they often give me three times points on travel. Um, So once you kind of know that, then you can start doing your research. And uh, there's two... Websites I really, really recommend for doing research. Um, Creditkarma.com, which I already recommended for your credit score, has a really good thing that will also tell you the odds of you getting approved for each kind of card. I wouldn't waste an application on a card you don't think you're going to get approved for because you will get a temporary ding on your credit once you apply. Um, And then nerdwallet.com has really good reviews. Um, A little more higher level, if you're kind of up in the travel game, is thepointsguy.com. Um, and the pointsguy.com is sort of, he can be a little intimidating because it's for pretty big travel nerds. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but he has also really good reviews. So uh, I started to make a flowchart, and then I realized it's really overwhelming. But the basics are you need to know what you spend money on, what you want to do with the card, and you need to do the research. What are some uh, red flags that a card wouldn't be the right card for me? Um, so let's say that you are um, someone who never travels and you sign up for a reward credit card like the Chase Sapphire Reserve card. This card has a $450 annual fee and most of the perks are related to travel. So they're related to like, oh, you get free airport lounges or you get three times on travel. If you're someone who travels once a year to visit relatives during the holidays, a 450 annual fee is ridiculous. Um, uh, annual fees are a big thing to look at. They can range from $0 to up to 700 So you really need to look at that annual fee. Um, you also, a lot of people get really focused on the APR for a card, um, which is the percent interest that they charge. Here's the thing. You shouldn't have to worry about that at all because you shouldn't be leaving any debt on the card. If you are planning on leaving debt on the card, you should not be looking for a rewards credit card. Um, and so, you know, ones that are like, oh, we only have 5% APR instead of 15% APR. Like, that's not important to you. It doesn't matter if it's got 3000% APR because you're not going to leave a balance on it. So you're not going to have to pay that. Um, something to understand is that you shouldn't necessarily have a ton of cards. Um, I have quite a few cards because I, this is kind of a hobby for me, these um, these signing up for cards. Um, however, you will get a ding on your credit each time you open an application. Um, it bounces back in about 90 days, so don't stress too much about it. Um, but it's really important to make sure that you don't just continually apply for cards because it can have a really um, it can have a, a continually hard effect to keep opening applications. However, applying for a new card can also help your credit score if you get approved because you're going to get um, you're going to up the amount of available credit you have. So as long as you don't take out debt on that card, it'll actually probably help your your credit score long term. Um, another thing to keep track of is you'll sometimes get lured in by these. You'll get a hundred thousand miles when you sign up. And you're not. Re a lot of people don't realize that there's a minimum spend you have to meet. So you need to keep perfect track of that. So usually it'll be like you've got a minimum spend of $3,000 you need to spend on the card in three months. If you miss that minimum spend by a day, you don't get those points. Majority of points that people earn for cards are not from regular spending, but from those sign-up bonuses. Um, and so don't sign up for a card if you don't think you can meet those. Uh, I, I don't in a regular month, spend $1,000 um, unless I include my rent. And so I often end up paying my rent to my roommate using um, Square Cash. So I pay a really small percent fee. It's about 3% fee to pay my roommate via Square Cash using that card so that I can meet those minimum spends. Um, but that's an advanced level credit card hacking trick. If you've had some, like, I would love to hear about people's, I always love to hear about people's trips uh, using rewards cards or or even just people that get a ton of money back on gas and groceries and are just really stoked that they get an extra like $400 a year. Um, so if you have any success stories or horror stories from rewards cards, um, I would love to hear from you. Uh, call in and leave us a message about your experience with rewards cards at 971-220-5979. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.